Amen. Good morning. A couple of weeks ago, I read a, a story about a king. He was, you know, an elderly king. He had been ruling for many, many years in his kingdom. And what he did, uh, he put out a call to all the people in the kingdom. He said, look, if you're an artist, I would love you to paint a painting of what you define peace to be. And, uh, you know, here's the prize. Your, your painting will be hung in the, the palace and it will stay there, you know, as long as I'm around. You know, that's what he said. And as well, I got some money I'll give you as well. So you can imagine all the starving artists out there said, hey, there's an opportunity to uh, do something here. So, you know, a lot of people painted paintings and depicted what peace was like to them. And so a lot of them were like these amazing scenes where there was like a mountain in the background with a little snow on the top of it and then a, a lake that was like a mirror surface and then, and then the reflection of, of the mountain in the lake just beautiful this beautiful, serene picture. Other pictures were of uh, pasture fields with, with sheep and, and cows grazing and just in the tall green grass and, and beautiful backgrounds. And so there was just a lot of paintings like that. And so dozens and dozens of them were submitted uh, on this one particular day and everyone could come and have a look at them. And the king was going to, on that day, announce who was going to win and also give up the money. And so everybody shows up, and, and so people are looking at all the paintings, and a lot of them were very much like the scenes that I've just described to you. And, and there was just one kind of ugly painting that was, you know, kind of over to the side. And, and in it, yeah, there was a mountain in it, and in it there was, you know, some trees and some grass and some things. But the trees weren't quite right, you know what I mean? There was some green on them, but there was some limbs missing, for example. Uh, the ground... There was some green grass, but most of it was kind of barren, and it was just kind of, kind of like a, ugh, who, who would paint this thing and submit it for a picture of peace, right? And so the time came for the king to announce who was going to win, and guess who won? The person with the ugly picture. You know, and, and everyone was like, what? That, this is crazy. What? You know, maybe the king's finally like flipped a breaker or something. You know, you know, maybe it's time for his son to take over. Something must be wrong with him. And so they asked the king, you know, why did you choose this picture? And he says, well, first of all, you need to understand, I've lived a long time. I've fought a lot of different wars with other kingdoms. I've had a lot of different things happen in my life. And as you, I look at this picture, this is a better depiction. And he said, you also need to look closer. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? And he said, get up to the picture and take a look. So in the midst of the scene of all the chaos and all the kind of not quite right things, there's this little green bush just down, one little spot of the picture. You had to get up to it to look. And inside the bush was a nest with some eggs. And there was a bird sitting on that nest, perfectly calm, serene, just there in the midst of all the crazy going on in the world, the wind's blowing and everything. Down in that bush, there's complete calm and complete peace. And the king said, this is what peace is. Because in this world, there'll never be complete peace. And if you're looking for peace out there, you'll never have peace in here. So you have to begin to look for peace on the inside. And so that story really spoke to me because I believe that for us as Christians, we often are searching for the wrong kind of peace. You know, at, at every beauty pageant, what do you hear uh, the lady when you ask, well, what do you, what do you want? I want world peace. You know, and, and, and the, thing, the reality of it is we haven't had peace since the beginning of time. Once you think about this, you open the pages of Genesis. You've got Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. You've got four people on the planet Earth, and they can't even be at peace with one another. One brother kills the other brother. Like four people. What do we got, eight billion now on the Earth? So can you imagine peace for everyone to just be at peace with one another? There has never been a time since Adam and Eve to today where there's been complete peace on the Earth. 
You know, right now we've got two major conflicts happening. You've got, you know, the Ukraine-Russia thing going on. We've got the thing going on in the Middle East. So right now it's kind of a, a little bigger picture for us of, of war going on. But even if those two events stopped just like that, there's still war going on all around the world in different places. Why? Because there are people who don't know Jesus, who are trying to pursue things, trying to find peace for themselves through the means of conquering other things and other people, and they will never have peace on the inside. So I'm here to tell you that there's a peace that we as believers can have that the world cannot have, and that's a peace of knowing Christ. Now let's look at the word concerning this. If you look at uh, John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, what does it say? You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Some versions actually say, in this world you will have tribulation or tribulations. Meaning, look, at in this world there's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and pestilences and famines and all kinds of things happen. It's going to happen. And yes, you can pray concerning it as it's impacting you. I, I don't discourage you from doing that. But the reality of it is there's a peace that Jesus talks about that's higher than this world peace thing. Because he says, look, take heart. I've overcome the world. And in fact, the word peace in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, here's the definition. It's going to sound a little bit weird when I say it, but I'll explain it. It means to be at oneness. That's literally what it means. Oh, what's, what's that mean? Well, we're a three-part being, a spirit, a soul, and a body. We have a mind, right? We have where the spirit of God, where the presence of God is, and then we have a tent, our bodies, okay? And so to be at oneness means that all three, in a sense, are reconciled together. In other words, that our spirit, where God is, is speaking, and our mind is at peace with that. In other words, there's no conflict going on. And as a result of that, we're bringing our bodies into submission to that. So that when we lay down at night, our mind's not worrying around, worrying about this, worrying about that, thinking about this, tormenting us all the time, because we're at peace with God. You know, a lot of peace that is elusive to you and I is that we're afraid of our future. Because we don't know our future exactly. You know, we, I hope that everyone here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so we can believe that eternity is okay. But how about getting there, right? You know, the, the part about you know, living life to the end until we cross over and get there. Often, that's what worries us the most. But here's the thing. Jesus has gone forward in time. He knows our beginnings. He knows our ends. And he promises he'll be with us every step of the way. And can we have peace on the inside? And see, that's the other part of oneness. It's oneness within ourselves, but also oneness with him. And if you're walking with him, if you're close to him, you can have this peace, as scripture says, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's not naturally discerned. It's inside of you. Because listen, there's going to be struggles. You may have the best family in the whole world, but you know what? Different things happen in life. You, you may have the best job right now. Different things happen. Things change. New bosses, new situations. You know, school, you know, new teachers this coming year. You know, it's going to be a whole new, new deal you got to deal with. In other words, you're going to have conflict in this world, but you can have peace on the inside, like that little bird in that nest at peace with herself, in a sense, right there doing what she's called to do. And the thing is, if you and I are doing what we're called to do, you can have an inner peace in the midst of a big war going on on the outside, amen? So what I want to do is begin to talk about this a little deeper, about how to get to that peace. You know, in theory, I've made it sound good, right? Doesn't it sound good? Yeah, we can have this, but how many people are still experiencing turmoil in their life? 
All right, the rest of you are liars. You're in church, you know. I'm just saying. In other words, all of us are experiencing different things going on. None of us are at complete rest. At least I'm not. And so the reality of it is we want to get closer to that. Amen? And so my hope is with some of the things we're going to look at today, I'll be able to nudge you in the right direction. Okay. So let's begin to uh, talk about this. We're going to use a scripture as a foundation an account in the Bible. I, I, I don't like to use a story from the Bible because sometimes when we hear the word story, we think about the made-up story. You know, I made up the story about the king, right? That's a made-up story. What we're going to read here is an actual accounting of Jesus speaking to someone. And I want you to take it that way. Take it personally. As you, you're listening to this, maybe see yourself somewhere in this, this account, all right? So it's in John chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 3. So he, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. <clears throat> so he came to the city of Samaria, where, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, thus sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, <clears throat> you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be, will become in him a fountain of water springing up, unto everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have well said you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jump down to verse 28, says that the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? You know, as I look at this story, there's a couple things I want to draw out, and then we'll, we'll move on, because this is our, our foundation. But I, I wanted you to see, right at the very start, it said he needed to go to Samaria. 
Well, I got news for you. I've been to Israel and I've seen the maps. He did not have to go to Samaria. In fact, it's out of his way to go to Samaria in the direction he was going. But he chose to go that way. So when it says he needed to go, it means that this was a divine moment for this woman and for Jesus to meet together. I want to say to you today that, that in the busyness, of, especially of the Christmas season, do not allow the busyness of it to let you miss out on a divine moment with Jesus. Sometimes we get our heads down, we're plowing ahead, you know, we're doing what we got to do, and it's like rush, 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 and we forget that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would love to have a chat with you from time to time, and to be open to that. And so here's, that's exactly what was happening, right? Jesus comes, and I love this, the woman wasn't, doesn't say anyway she was necessarily seeking God, maybe she was, we don't know, but I love this, Jesus was seeking her. And I want you to know today that Jesus is seeking you as well. You know, but I'm just asking you that, hey, perk up a little bit, look around. You know, spiritually speaking, he may want to be talk, talk to you right here and right now. In fact, with some of the things I'm going to say in a little while, some of these things may be difficult for you to uh, take in. But my prayer is that you receive it by faith and the Lord will encourage you in what's going to be said. And so the woman, they begin this conversation, and Jesus talks about, hey, can you give me a glass of water? You know, I, I, I'm thirsty. And the well happens to be, it's about 140 feet deep. I checked it out online. That's what it is. And, and so he's not going to go and, and, well, I guess, I guess God could do anything, right? He could just go, whoop, and water would be there. But he chooses not to do that. Here he's asked the lady to help him. And she goes, why, why are you even talking to me? Because here, first of all, she's a woman, and, and Jewish rabbis, teachers, did not talk to women at all, and then being a Samaritan as well. And she even says that. So look at I'm not only a woman, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you even talking to me? And I love this about Jesus. He basically just rolls right over that and just says, look, at if, if you knew who it was that's asking you for a cup of water, that, that he would give you living water. I love that about Jesus. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you've been born on. It doesn't matter what color skin you've got. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter any of those things. Jesus wants to talk with you. And I love that about him. So please do not let anything that someone else has put on you hinder you from coming into the presence of God. Amen? You know, Brenda mentioned that, you know, the fact that Jesus died for everyone. And yes, it's all exclusive. It's an exclusive religion in a sense, right? It's one way only. But it's also inclusive, meaning that if anyone says yes, they're accepted. So it's exclusive and inclusive at the same time. Like, that, that's crazy. It's the only... I, hate, I even hate to use the word religion, but it's the only way to God that's exclusive and inclusive. Can you say amen to that? That's so, so good. And so here, here they carry on with the conversation, and all of a sudden, somewhere along the way in this conversation, Jesus says, go get your husband. Because again, that's proper etiquette. You know, you wouldn't normally talk to the woman, you talk to the husband and the wife. That's what they did in the culture of that day. And so she says, well, I haven't got one. Now, how did Jesus respond? Yeah, you had five, and now the guy you're living with now is not even your husband. And he says this, so he says something. He says, that's very true what you said. And I love this about Jesus. He doesn't condemn her about it. He, he doesn't ridicule her about it. He doesn't say, you know, there's something wrong with it. He doesn't do any of those things. But he does bring the truth up. How many of us like to be confronted with the truth when the truth is ugly? I don't like it. I don't like it when the truth's ugly and someone tells me the truth. I hate it. Come on. Nobody wants to hear ugly truth, right? Especially if it's about you. 
And yet this woman says what she says, and Jesus, in the most respectful kind of way, just spells it out, says, look it, I know your business. You know, I know. And again, when we read this, I'm not sure we got the whole story, if you get what I'm saying. I'm not sure that we have the whole context. We got, we got, the, we got the kind of the, the synopsis of it. I believe Jesus spent a lot more time with her, talking with her. Because again, if you look at, at the end here in verse 28, the woman left her water pot, went into the way in the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I've ever did. Could this be the Christ? Do you think the five husbands were the only thing that she did? Do you get what I'm saying? So in other words, there was more to the story. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. If you want peace in your life, you've got to deal with something that's in your life. And so I've got an illustration I'm going to use. It worked this morning at the first service. We'll see how it works out this time, all right? Here's what I want to tell you. You and I have, what do you see over here? Baggage. All right, so what I got, I got one little bag, because maybe the one husband wasn't too bad, all right? And then I, and then I got the four big bags. Those were the four other husbands, okay? Come on, Come on here. So here it is. I, I'm pretending that I'm that woman at the well. And I got baggage. I got all kinds of baggage, right? I, I got in tow my experience of these past five husbands, right? These, you know, probably I'm thinking at the time they're losers, right? And, and I'm with this fifth, sixth guy. I don't know whether he's going to work out or not. So here I am. This, this is my life. Now, you might ask, well, how do I know this? Well, you got the woman showing up at the well in the middle of the day. It was at noon. We, we read about that. Now, you notice she's the only one there. Where's all the other people? This well supplies the town of Cyclar. It's about half a mile away, give or take, all right? So it's the only water source in that area. So why is the woman only there at noontime? Why is she the only one there? Well, let me tell you something. Everyone else goes early in the morning or later in the evening. Why? Because it's cooler to go. Who wants to carry, you know, you know, pounds and pounds of water in the heat of the day? So why did she go during noon? Let me tell you something. She didn't want to talk to anybody. She didn't want anybody talking about them. So she went where she could just be alone to go to the well. She didn't anticipate Jesus being there. She was going to get her water and go back. Now why? Because she's got baggage. Everybody in that little town knows she had five husbands and is shacked up with another guy, you know, and, and she's the gossip of the town, right? And so she's got all this baggage going with her. Now Jesus sees the baggage, right? Now here's the thing. You and I got some baggage that we're pulling around as well. Now, you might not want to hear that, but I'm telling you, we all have some baggage. I got some baggage. You got some baggage. We're pulling along, all right? Now, let's talk about this baggage a little bit. How many people have gone on a trip somewhere, maybe, maybe to the Caribbean or someplace where it was maybe hot and you didn't have laundry service? So what did you do with your clothes? Where did they go? In the bag, right? Now, what happens to clothes that haven't been laundried and you've wore them in a hot country somewhere and they're in that baggage? It starts to smell, doesn't it? So here's the deal. Not only are you dragging it around, it starts to smell as well. Now, I'm not talking about natural baggage like you're seeing here. I'm just talking about the baggage we have in our lives we're dragging around. So here's the deal. You go to your job and you're pulling your baggage along. Do you know that after a while, if you spend enough time at work, people are going to know what your baggage is? They can smell it. 
They can smell it through your attitudes, through your actions, through your words, through your attitude. You know, everything. It's all there. It all comes out eventually, sooner or later. What about your family? If you've got baggage, does your family see it after a while? They're absolutely going to. You know, as you're going through life, you're pulling it along everywhere you go, all over the place. You can't, it's changed you. It, it, it's a part of what you've become. All the sum total of your different experiences that have happened, good, bad, ugly, in the case of this woman, five husbands. Now, do you think she's got some baggage? She's got some serious baggage, all right? Listen, Sandra and I, we married once to each other, and we had enough baggage to load a tractor trailer, all right? You get what I'm saying? Now, hopefully there's less now than there was, my wife says there is, she claims, and I'm grateful for her support. But the thing is, the reality of it is, we all have this baggage. So, Jesus saw the baggage, clear as clear can be. So if you and I come to church and we're pretending, we got this smile painted on our face, and we're like, oh Jesus, we just love you, and you're dragging this baggage around, you're not being a bit hypocritical. How about we just come and say, Jesus, here I am, help me. Because then all of a sudden you're in a place where Jesus can help you with the baggage. Because here's the thing. Pastor Vic quoted a scripture last week from Hebrews. He was talking about the power of decision last week. Good message. I encourage you to look at it. But he quoted from Hebrews chapter 1. It says this. That since we've been surrounded by such a great... Chapter 12, verse 1, sorry. Since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race with diligence looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so when it says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin, I consider this a weight, all the baggage that's in your life, because it will hinder you from running the race that God's got for you. Because if this is burdening you all the time, how can you move forward in what God's called you to do when you've got this boat anchor of baggage that's dragging along behind you? You can't. And so what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is, how can we begin to deal with this? Anybody here want to deal with some baggage in their lives? Would you like to deal with it? Oh, nobody's put their hand up. So you want me to just close in prayer then and just call it a day? You know, we got hospitality. They got some goodies out there. Make, us, make, make our bodies feel better. Maybe forget about the baggage, right? No, so the reality of it, let's take a few minutes and, and look at how we can begin to deal with this in our lives. Because I believe we can. I believe we can. So let me give you a couple thoughts on this. We've got to be willing to unpack the baggage. You can't just leave it all boxed up. It's like the stinky clothes when you come home from your trip. You eventually have to address the luggage. You've got to open the thing up. And it's usually worse before it gets better, right? You've got to throw it into the wash machine and then it gets better, right? But you've got to be willing to unpack it. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. Listen, Jesus is just telling us very clearly, look at your, your, your stuff he knows about it, just like that woman at the well. He knew the whole deal, and he unfolded. He, un he said, look, at this is what's going on in your life. This is who you are, what you're experiencing, the bad, the good, the ugly, everything. And, and she was willing to let him talk to her. You see, if you come to church, so when all your suitcases are all done up, all your baggage is all packaged up, and it's kind of behind you, and you're like, oh, Jesus, I just love you, and you're unwilling to deal with this, let me say something to you. It stinks to high heaven. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm just letting you know that he smells it. And wouldn't it be better to say, please help me with this? And he is willing to help you. Now listen, I know I'm pushing some buttons. It's awful quiet in here today. 
But my hope is I'm not here to become your best friend. I'm here to encourage you to get past the baggage. We all have it. Like I'm standing up on a stage here and, and it looks like maybe I'm doing this. To you. I got my own baggage. You, listen, have a chat with Sandra after service and ask her, does Pastor Carl have baggage? She'll go, oh yeah. Now hopefully she doesn't unload it all on you. You haven't got that much time, all right? But, but the point is we all are dealing with this. So this is, this, is, this is a universal thing that we're talking about here. So we've got to be willing to unpack, be willing to, to look at it, be willing in a sense to turn. Because here's what I'm going to say, that if you want peace now and in your future, you've got to deal with the baggage of the past or you cannot have peace today. You cannot. You've got to deal with the past to be able to move forward. All right, so the first thing, you've got to be willing to unpack it. Here's the next one. Does your baggage need to be thrown away or washed? You know, sometimes when you begin to open it up, you begin to look at it, there's some stuff that it's like, it's unredeemable. You know what I'm saying? Just throw it away, all right? And there's times in your life, some of the baggage of the past, you just need to let it go. And the scriptures say this, cast your cares or cast your baggage, you could say, right? Upon the Lord, for he cares for you. In other words, just give it over to him and let him deal with it on your behalf. And so what do I mean by throwing away? Well, that's when you just give it to him, cast it to him. But then what about the washing part? Well, I believe that our circumstances and situations of our past need to be washed through the blood of Jesus. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that you've had something happen back here, all right? In the case of the woman at the well, five failed relationships, okay? And so that's happened. And so here, here she is like, I, I, I see it from a certain way. This is what's happened. But when we allow it to be washed through the blood of Jesus, we take those same circumstances. And in the case of the woman, Lord, you know, I've had these five failed relationships. What happened? What, what do I do? And what happens is the Lord then will give you a different perspective on it. A number of years ago, I was counseling, in fact, this was quite a while ago, uh, counseling this, this man. He came in and, and wanted counsel. And, and so he had been married. I come to find out, I didn't know this at the time. He had been married four times. And then the fifth relationship he was in had failed. So that, that's when he shows up at my office. And so, so he begins, um, you know, with, with woman one, first wife. And, and he gives the points of the negative and this and that. And then, and then the second one. And, you know, a little different flavor, but still negative. You know, all through all four. And finally to the fifth one where, uh, you know, she left as well. And he goes, you know, I, I, I just don't understand. All the women are bad in the world. That, that's what he said. And I'm like, whoa, you know, that's serious. And then the Lord spoke to me, and I, I, I never forgot. I jumped up, and I pointed at him and said, I know the answer. And I think he was expecting me to agree with him that all women are bad. By the way, I don't think that. Just, okay, just so you know, all right? I'm just telling you what he said, all right? I am not supporting him, okay? I'm just telling you the story. I jumped up, and I said, I know the problem. He goes, what is it? I said, there's a common denominator in all five of these relationships. He goes, well, well, what is it? I said, it's you. And he was dumbfounded. He, he, he could not figure that maybe it was him. And so in the case of this woman, maybe these five guys weren't great apples. I have no idea. But the thing is, she was the common denominator. And so often, you and I, we're looking for peace by the other person fixing themselves. When we've got to bring peace to ourselves. In other words, we have to surrender let me ask you this question. When there's a war, you got a war, you got two parties fighting, what has to happen for that war to end? Somebody has to what? 
Somebody's got to surrender. They've got to wave the white flag and surrender, right? So here's the problem. For a lot of us with our baggage, especially in the area of relationships and things like that, we want the other person to surrender because they did this wrong, they did that wrong, and I'm not going to even argue about it. Maybe they did do all that stuff wrong. But I got news for you. They probably don't even care about you now. They don't care that you've got baggage. They may even have died. They're not even on the face of the earth anymore. In other words, they can't surrender even if they could surrender. So if you're waiting for them to surrender, for you to have peace about that circumstance, I got news for you. You will probably wait a long time. In fact, you may never have peace about it. But if you're willing to surrender, now I'm not saying surrender to that person or that circumstance, but if you're willing to take that baggage and surrender to the Lord, then you can have peace on the inside. You hear what I'm saying here? But as long as you keep carrying it around, pulling it around, you will not have peace and you will not be able to move forward in God's kind of peace. Amen? All right. Let's, uh, and this brings us to our final point today. Allow your baggage to become part of your testimony. The same lady, the lady at the well, a few verses later, here's what she says. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, Jesus, because of the word, the woman, the woman at the well, testified. He told me all that I ever did. So all of a sudden, get this, all this baggage, these failed relationships, now become part of her redemption story where she could say, look it, this happened back there. It was horrible, blah, blah, blah. But now, this is what Jesus has done in my life. So instead of it being something she's dragging around, it's something she lifts up to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you're still dealing with shame and guilt of things in the past, then you're dragging that baggage around. But as a believer, you don't have to let that happen. You can come to a place of releasing it to the Lord and be set free, and now it becomes part of the testimony of the good God's turned that bad into. Amen? You hear where I'm going? This is so, so important. And I encourage you to come to the realization, the revelation, you don't have to pull it around anymore. At the first service, all the luggage fell over. And as I was pulling around, it got heavier and heavier and heavier. Can I tell you, it's the same in the spirit for you and I. The longer we go through life and don't deal with it, it's going to get heavier and heavier and heavier. In fact, John uh, had the, you know, the vision, a prophetic word concerning a backpack. And it just as they turn to Jesus, backpacks are dropping off. Well, that is another burden, another part of baggage that's called sin. So listen to me, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's a burden that you can let go just right now. You don't have to carry sin around. You don't have to carry that around. God wants to forgive you of that right here and now. So just bow your heads, just everyone here for a moment. I don't know if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but I can tell you right now, just based on that prophetic vision, based upon what I've talked about, that the Lord wants to see some people set free today from the burden of sin and be forgiven and become part of the exclusive club with Jesus, to be included in that exclusive club. So if you're here and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, just slip your hand up in the air to say, I need Jesus. Just want to make sure that everyone here knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm looking carefully. I see a little baby waving, waving your arm, but that's okay. They can, they can do that in a few years from now. That's all good. Amen. Well, Father, I don't know whether someone maybe on the inside is waving their hand or whether someone watching online. But Lord God, right now, I thank you. I thank you that you are who you are and that you will uh, relieve us of the burden of sin if we just ask you to. We can be forgiven and set free. So if anyone's here or watching 
needs to do that, I pray that at this very moment in time, they make that decision to do so. Thank you, Lord. Let me just ask this question for the rest of us here. Do you feel like you're towing some baggage around? Slip your hand up in the air if you are. I appreciate your honesty. I got my hand up too. I'm not just doing it to show you what to do. Okay, you can put your hands down. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are here right now. And the Lord God, all the luggage can't just be dropped off all at once. It doesn't work that way. But Lord God, one piece at a time. That's how you do it. So Lord, I pray that our hearts are open to that one piece right now at this moment that you're saying we need to cast it to you right now. Lord God, whether that's a picture you're showing us of a face or a circumstance or a situation or an event that happened, whatever it might be for each and every one of us that we would see that and say, Lord, say this with me, Lord, I surrender that to you right now in Jesus' name. And I look forward, Lord, to surrendering more as the days go by. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to receive communion together if you'd like to do that with us. If you didn't get a communion cup on the way in, they're on the little tables just at the back of the sanctuary. Feel free to grab one. But if you open the little part first, it's got a little wafer in it. And it represents the body of Jesus. So as we take it, we're to remember what he went through so that we could have eternal life. Let's take and eat together. This cup of grape juice is to remind us of the blood of Jesus. He gave every drop of his blood that you and I, through faith in him, could have eternal life. Don't take this lightly. He did it so we don't have to carry any more baggage around, that we can be set free. Maybe a better word to be set freer, amen? Because that's really what it's about. We're on a journey. And as each day goes by, it should be less luggage, less luggage, less luggage. So that when we get to the gates of heaven and they ask you, do you have any luggage to check? Like, nope. Haven't got any. Amen? Just a few carry-ons. Let's drink together. Father, I speak a blessing over your people. I pray, Lord, that the seeds that have been planted today, the truth, Lord, that you gave your life so that we could become free and freer in you. The Lord, we would have a, a heart to listen and open to you as you come by the wells in our lives, Lord God, that, that we would just be open to conversations with you. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. Just thank you, Lord. Bless each one as they travel, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.